So good evening listeners and welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself Paul Carroll and this Friday the 16th of February 2024. Now over the course of the next hour we're going to be looking ahead to all the weekend sport in Tipperary and we're going to hear this week's edition of The Sporting Edge which is a very special edition as we speak to the 2023 Tip FM Sports Star of the Year which was just announced last night at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. It is of course Clonmel rower Dara Lynch. Last year Dara finished third at the World Rowing Championships in Belgrade and also qualified Ireland's boat to the Olympic Games. So I had a really interesting chat with Dara. Rowing is not something I would have known too much about, but I had a really interesting chat about with Dara about his uh, kind of late development into the into the sport of rowing and his obsession. He went to university in Yale and things like that. So there's, it's a really nice chat with Dara Lynch coming up later in the show. We're also, of course, going to be looking ahead to Tip versus London. That is on over in London on Sunday at 1 o'clock. It's live here on Tip FM thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors and Care. Also Nina CBS versus Kilkenny CBS. That game is of course live as well here on Tip FM on Saturday at 2 o'clock. That is in Rath Downey. Stephen Gleeson and Sean Flynn will be bringing you the action there with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. Massive weekend for Tipperary Camogie ahead. They get their, The seniors get their league campaign underway. The juniors are also playing in the league on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the minors are in the Munster final. So a massive weekend there. Also have plenty of soccer, plenty of rugby happening over the course of the weekend as well. And the ladies, ladies footballers are out. So we have a very busy show lined up. But we're going to start with the Tipperary senior football team, as I mentioned, over in London on Sunday. And here to talk about that game, I'm joined on the line by Anthony Shelley. Anthony, you're welcome back to the show. Hi, Paul. Anthony, this is a, it's a, it's a novel game, but I suppose at the end of it, it's all about getting the two points for, for Tipperary. And I think, um, I think uh, manager Paul Kelly said just as much after the Longford game. But on that Longford game, Tipper coming into this now, into this trip to London, with a bit of momentum built up from that big win. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good win up in Longford, and it was great to get the two points. And there's certainly, as as they said, there's certainly green shoots. There's a lot of positives to take out of that that game. So. Um, a potential banana skin here now in, in London at the weekend because London in fairness even though they've lost their they're opening two games to Wexford and um, Leitrim uh, and Leitrim uh, they've been competitive for a long for a long period of those those two games and maybe uh, Wexford and Leitrim only pulling away at the end so um, tip you know they can't go over taking these lightly Um you need to kind of continue the momentum of, of the um, of the, of the game up in Longford, and you know maybe tighten up a little bit at the back. We were very open against Carlo, conceding three goals, and um, probably got away with a little bit in the first twenty minutes against Longford as well. Uh, they cut us open for a few goals, but a few goal chances, but the the final pass went astray. So if we could tighten up at the back and just go about our business, you know in a good professional manner as they say we should come away with the points but you know it is it is one that in the back of your mind you'd always be a little bit worried about yeah because it, it's very much uh, a, a, as I said novel it's just very different like you know the lads are flying over on, on Saturday and then the game is on Sunday and it's just very different than the, the usual routine of, a, of playing a game but you mentioned London they lost to Leitrim by, by five points last to Wexford by four so close enough games there especially with, with Leitrim who would be seen as kind of maybe one of the stronger teams at the minute in Division 4 but for Tipperary it's new for a lot of the players we were kind of uh, talking there before going on air about who would have played here in McGovern Park before and Stephen O'Brien played when Tip last played there back in 2014 and uh, we think Jack Kendy might have played in 2015 when commercials were over there so apart from that it's uh, it's it's going to be a new experience for all these players Yeah it is and um, you know it, it's a uh 
it's a lovely little setup over over in over in Ricelip. So um, you know, there's no problem with, with the surroundings or anything like that. The, the the hard part can be when you fly over the day before, putting down the 24 hours. You know, it's it's a long time to to have to put down like and you're just thinking about the match or whatever. Like and can be boring. You know, it, it can be boring. Let's suggest it, no, no matter what what has led on. It's still a long time to be just sitting around the hotel. You know, drinking water and <laughs> rather than pints, and, <laughs> um, uh, and um, you know, just thinking about the game. So if they if they can manage that, and that that experience would would be would be new to an awful lot of this panel. Uh, other other, you know, the more experienced lads would have had trips like that. Maybe not to London, but uh, you know, where they might have had to go up to to Derry and had the overnighter and stuff like that. But um, you know, for for the for the newer lads, and we were saying the last day that the team that started against Longford, um, there was nine lads started that game that hadn't started against Longford the, the year before. So um, that's a, that's a huge turnover in any team. So if they if they can manage that, manage what goes on on Saturday night, Sunday morning, you know, and, and be ready for throwing, uh, they should be okay. But you know, it, it sounds like oh, how bad can it be? You're staying in a hotel in London and all that, but it is. It can it can be boring. It can be boring in those situations. So, um, you know, you, you don't want to play the game Saturday night in your head. You just need to, to manage it and be ready for Sunday for Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. Yeah, and and for Sunday, like just uh, looking at, at the Tipperary team, Stephen O'Brien limped off with a hamstring injury against uh, against Longford the last day, so he's going to be a, an injury worry for this game and would be a huge loss if he's not going to be a, a part of the team, but. Just the game in general, Tip have lost one against Carlo, won one against Longford. This is the third game now. You win it, you're on a two-game win streak. You have a, a home game, I believe, to come come back to after this. If you lose it, it's two losses from three games and you know, you're definitely on the back foot then in terms of promotion. So this is a real big kind of a, a swing based on the, the result of this game on Sunday. Yeah, you, the, um, I think... I think there's three home games in a row. Am I right yeah. after this Sunday, and then the final game against Leitrim up in um, up in Carrigan Shannon. So, like, if you can win this, you know, you, you're suddenly like we were all a bit down after Carlow when we were saying going up to Longford. If you lose this, the league is kind of gone on us. But uh, you know, a win changes everything. So a, a second win would certainly put us in the promotion race and. You, if if results now there will be twists and turns along the way. You can never predict what's going to happen in, in league matches, particularly in Division Four. Like you know, teams are, all teams are heavily beating each other. But if you if you can win this and win your three home games, you could be potentially um, going to Leitrim to play Leitrim. The winner the winner the winner goes up or uh, to Division Three. That's the way I see it panning out. But of course, a home game against even though we have a home game, Leitch look to be very strong at the moment. So. That'd be probably our most difficult home game. But if we can get three, maybe three wins out of the next four games, you know, we will be we will be in the conversation for promotion uh, come the end of March, which is you know we didn't see that after the Carlow game in Thurles a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so let's hope we get that second win on Sunday afternoon. It is a game that is live here on Tip FM. I'll be heading over to the game in McGovern Park. Uh, Connor O'Dwyer will be joining me on commentary, and the coverage is with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. Uh, Anthony Shelley, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Yeah, no problem, Paul. Thanks a million.
Now we're going to switch our attention to the other game that's live on Tip FM this weekend. Nina CBS take on Kilkenny CBS in the Crow Cup quarter final, the All Ireland Championship quarter final on Saturday at two o'clock in Rathdowney, live here on Tip FM with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. And I'm joined on the line by Tipperary Stars Enda Tracy to talk about this game. Enda, you're welcome back to the show. Thanks, Paul. And uh, we have uh, the All-Ireland quarterfinal here now for Nina CBS on Saturday, 2 o'clock throwing time in Rathdowney, live on Tip FM with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel. It's a it's a weird one because here in Munster and in Tipperary and all over Munster, the Hearty Cup is seen as kind of nearly the holy grail of schools hurling. And the All-Ireland can sometimes be an afterthought, but I suppose there's a huge carrot here for players now that the final of this competition is on in Crow Park as if you needed any other kind of carrot for an All-Ireland competition. So... You'd imagine motivation would be high among the, the Nina CBS players if they can get, get off the high of winning the Hearty Cup just two weeks ago. Absolutely, and I think they probably had to do that because the Munster teams put so much store in the in the Hearty Cup and, you know, Cairns have been so, St. Cairns and Kilkenny have been so dominant in the grade, so um, it probably does help in that regard, all right. And it is a huge card, as you say, but yeah, during the quarterfinal, I suppose they, they got unlucky with the draw. Obviously, it rotates every year to which... Uh, Provincial winner ends up in the quarter final, and Cashel got the look of it last year, so they'll have a, a longer route to get to a final. But you know, they're they're firmly in ball in surgery ball, even interviewing Donald O'Donnell after the match, and he's saying the Hardy Cup was D1, and you know, they weren't looking at anything past that, even though he'd won in All Ireland before. He said it wasn't the same without a Hardy Cup under the belt. So look, they, they'll go into it and they'll have nothing to lose. And uh, with, uh, with the group of players that they have that have had so much success this year, it'll be. It'll be a good good way to go into the games for them and they, they, they'll be hoping they can go on a bit of a run. Yeah, and the t- they're on such a good run now if they're playing if they're playing the, the Limerick Senior Hurling team you nearly back them to get a last-minute goal <laughs> to win the game like, you know, the way the way they've been going. But this Kilkenny CBS team are coming in here off a really um, a disappointing performance for them in the Leinster final. Their beating was a 2.20 to 5 points by St. Kieran's. But just hearing different people talk about that game and Kilkenny CBS seemed to be missing a few lads, got got off to a terrible start in the game. So, you know, they're, they're kind of a wounded animal coming in here and it's it's a very dangerous place for Nina CBS to be in coming up because you can't but think, OK, these lads got a, a big beating in the Leinster final. It's only nearly human nature to think, OK, this mightn't be too bad, but it's such a dangerous place for Nina CBS to come into a game. Yeah, like in, in general, we've known through the years that any grade, at any level, any Kilkenny team that's that's coming in to play a game against are going to be a tough, tough task, regardless of the form they're in, regardless of the confidence they have. So they'll be wary of that. They, they won't take them lightly at all. And like St. Kieran's are they're, <laughs> they're basically the whole of Kilkenny, the best starters go there. A few lads from Carlow, you know, they often get a few tip lads. They're, they're almost like a boarding school, you know, that way they still have that kind of, that pull. Mm. and they still get the best players from around in there so they're very tough not to crack in Leinster um, but I think Kilkenny CBS have been fairly undercooked the whole year I think they lost the group game to good counsel and then they just about squeezed past them in the semi-final by a point or two and I don't think there is a talent of the group as have, have put on a Kilkenny CBS jersey in years gone by even so look Nina I think Nina will be favourites and uh, whether they'll wear that tag with ease or not I don't know but Look, I think I think they'll come into it, but nothing to lose. They genuinely don't. They've had an unreal year between the Dean Ryan and Hardy Cup, so like they can really cut loose and and just throw their best at it. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of a team Donegal Donald puts out. Yeah, and uh, Joe, I suppose in terms of changes and things like that, the likes of uh, Austin Duff, we all know the impact he made in the Hardy Cup final, and uh, some of the other younger players who come on late in that game as well. But 
if they were to get over this game and you're, you you're saying there that they might be coming in with kind of a, a nothing to lose kind of kind of feeling if they were to mm. win then it becomes a kind of a, a thing of we're only 60 minutes away from Crow Park and it kind yeah. of changes the whole dynamic of, of mm. the kind of mindset going in so if they can get over this it, it kind of it all opens up absolutely it does and the school has never played in Crow Park to my knowledge uh, they played the All-Ireland final when Jason Ford was the main man back in 2012 I think it was in Turles wasn't it yeah um, so you know a lot of these lads might never get a chance to play in Crow Park again so they'll they'll be going all guns blazing to it if they get to that stage so you know, it is a good opportunity, but at the same time, for this match alone, they'll be laid back about it. Go out and do your best. And I wonder will he make a few changes, the likes of uh, Dara Tracy, Austin Duff, uh, Brian O'Mara all played well when they came on and made a difference. So you'd wonder if, if he'll um, if he'll make a few changes that way. But I suppose there's no point in uh, making too much of a dent in the win- winning formula, you know. Yeah, so 2 o'clock throw-in time on Saturday. Uh, if you can't be in Rathdowney, the game will be live here on Tip FM. Stephen Gleeson and Sean Flynn will be talking you through the action and the coverage is with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. So, uh, Enda Tracy, enjoy the game and hopefully this isn't the last time we're talking about this team this year. All the best, Paul. Cheers. So, we're just going to take our first ad break of the evening, but we've plenty more sport to look forward to after the break, so don't go anywhere. And you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 16th of February, 2024. Now, it's time to switch our attention to Camogie, and it is a massive weekend of Camogie for the Tipperary teams. The seniors get their league campaign underway against Watford. The juniors are out again against Wexford in Enniscorthy, and the minors are in the Munster Minor Camogie final on Sunday down in Walsh Park against Watford. So to try and preview all of those games, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Tipperary Camogie Piero, Geraldine Canan. Geraldine, you're welcome back to the show. Thanks, Paul. We'll, uh, we'll start with the seniors. We've got three Tipperary Camogie teams in action this weekend. The uh, seniors get their league campaign underway against Watford on Saturday. Uh, supposed to be in the rag at 2 o'clock, but a venue has not uh, officially been confirmed yet. Uh, the rag just getting a bit of a, a makeover at the minute and not quite ready. So keep an eye out on Tipperary social media for a, an update on the venue there. But just looking ahead to this game, um, a couple of uh, things for Tipperary going into this league. It looks like Karen Kennedy is going to be out injured for a couple of weeks, so it's going to miss some of the games. But that's going to probably put Cuiva Maher back to centre-back, which is probably something, talking about pre-season, that that was a, a, an option with possibly pushing Karen up. But I suppose Dennis Kelly's hand might have been uh, forced here now. Yeah, exactly. I suppose if we look back into the last time we played Tip and the last competitive action for Tip, or the last time we played Waterford, the last competitive action for Tip was the Iron semi final last year uh, down in Nolan Park. And I suppose Karen, when she went forward, you know, started making things happen for Tip. And you know, the you know we could have we wonder if if she had moved up earlier, could we have snuck a win? And I know uh, you know when she was given the task to go up into the forward to was Quiva Maher who came back centre back and I thought she was very good there I thought she was very impressive and look she's loads of experience playing centre back for her club and she's played there with the county before so look, we saw her line out there against Cork in the challenge match two weeks ago so look it, with Karen out injured you imagine uh, Quiva will take up that centre back spot or maybe Claude Clo Cork but um, you know I'd like to see Quiva there and, and maybe look at it as a long term option so that we can move Karen into midfield or into the forwards Yeah and like this league campaign, if we're going to be without Karen, we all know we're without Cote as well. That's two All-Stars from last year that we're going to be missing for large parts of the league. So what do you think the kind of the goal is of, of this league? Um, up first is Watford and the draw or the uh, the fixtures were just confirmed for the actual uh, All-Ireland Championship and it's going to be Watford up first as well. So for what do you think kind of the, the goal is for, for the league this season for Dennis Kelly's side? 
Oh, look, I think there's huge hurt there from last year from going out at the All-Ireland semi-final stage. I suppose they have been, they've lost a number of All-Ireland semi-finals in recent years, but they were always against the Corks, the Galway, the Kilkenny. So, look, last year, I suppose, was seen a year to really try, no disrespect to Warford, they're a fantastic side, but it was seen as the best opportunity to get to a final. And I think there's a massive hurt there, the fact that they were seven points up at one stage, that they didn't go on and win that game. Um, so, look, I think, you know, definitely on Saturday, Dennis Kelly only looking at a win. Um, you know, a home victory against against Waterford, Galway at home the following weekend. I think you know, looking looking at the way they set up last year, they went out to try and win every game. You know, tip I suppose. You know, we got the Munster Championship last year, but we're being starved of silverware. So Dennis, no doubt, would love to win a league, and um, you know, and. Look, obviously he needs to find players, he needs to try out players and stuff like that. But I think, you know, without cost, it's an opportunity for the likes of Emer Heffernan, Quiva uh, McCarthy, you know, Claude McIntyre, a few more of these to really step up and, you know, and say, look, I'm I'm a leader now, give me the ball, I'll score. Um, you know, we still have Roisin Howard there, a very good season last year. She'll be one of the main... Um, main I suppose forwards as well in the attack but like we need other players I suppose to stand up and be counted in this league and you know go toe to toe with the likes of the Waterfords, the Galway, the Kilkenny's and be competitive and look I'd be, I'd be thinking that Dennis Kelly is going all out you know he won't experiment too much he'll try maybe you know maybe one or two new players in every line but you know he'll keep the, the core of that team the same and, and look to be very competitive in every game. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a competitive league campaign, especially with those opening two games against uh, Watford and Galway. That's at uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and we're just uh, a reminder going out to just uh, keep up to date with the temporary social media, just to see uh, the, the venue once it's confirmed there. Uh, also at 2 o'clock on Saturday, the uh, Tipperary junior team are down in an escorty playing Wexford at 2 o'clock. But then on Sunday at 2 o'clock in Walsh Park, the Munster minor final, it is Tipperary against Watford and John, looking at this Tipperary minor team, they have a, a, a big chance to win a bit of silverware here against Waterford down in Walsh Park. And it's a, it's a Tipperary team that beat Cork in the semi-final over a month ago now, but they've been very busy since then. A lot of the players involved with both Presentation, Thurless and Ursuline, Thurless and Ursuline have a All-Ireland final coming up uh, next weekend. So it's a very busy period for, for a lot of the girls involved in this uh, Tipperary minor team. Yeah, it certainly is. And there's a lot of Jew players as well that are actually out on Saturday uh, with tip uh, minor footballers as well. So that's something to be, I suppose, to be wary of as well. So look, but, you know, I think this is a super opportunity for some silverware, like you said. I'm delighted this year. Some people are wondering why why it's on so early and pl- played in winter conditions. But, you know, previously it was on after the All-Ireland Series. You know, the All-Ireland Series kicks off there in March. And it was after that. And I didn't think that really suited, you know, you were knocked out of the All-Ireland Series, the Munster you know, you're probably coming to the end of your, your minor career. And, um, you know, it wasn't taken as serious the Munster Championship. But I think this year, um, fantastic opportunity to win silverware, to also, you know, set your stall out and get really into a winning momentum ahead of the All-Ireland Series. So, um, you know, I'd love to see this team do well on Sunday. I'd love to see a big crowd travel to Waterford. And there was a toss for home and away venue. Obviously, unfortunately, we lost that toss. So Waterford are going to have massive support. You know, they have a very good minor team. They bet tip last year in the group stages went on to contest the All-Ireland uh, uh, final. You know, obviously they've lost a few players since since that team, but, um, you know, Tip, I thought, were really impressive against Cork. You know, there's Sarah Cork and there's the captain, a great leader there, centre-back, Lucy Purcell, the vice-captain in, in attack, Daniel Ryan from Anacarty, another really good player, Paula Cork there from Borlan in defence. So they have a lot of players, I suppose, uh, Quiva Statham as well, that, you know, names we're familiar with now, with mm. under-16s and minors last few years, and with the schools, like you said. So a really good team. John Ryan has 
put huge work into it already. I know it's early in the year, but I just think it'd be a fantastic boost for Tip Camogie if, if we could win that Munster final uh, on Sunday and then, you know, we can really look forward to the All-Ireland Championship with, you know, great confidence. Yeah, so a really, really busy weekend of Camogie to come here for the Tipperary. Uh, the juniors, the seniors and the minors, we wish them all the very best of luck over the weekend. Uh, Geraldine Canan, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks, Paul. Many thanks, as always, to Geraldine Canan there filling us in on all things Camogie with a very busy weekend of Camogie lined up this weekend. Now, elsewhere, some other things worth mentioning. The Fitzgibbon Cup final gets underway tomorrow, Saturday at quarter to three in Abbey Dorney in Kerry. It is Mary I against University of Limerick. Plenty of Tipperary involvement. Of course, Gerald O'Connor leading the way for UL. And then for Mary I, you have the likes of Keith Ryan there from Upper Church at fullback. Devin Ryan and Carl Quinn and Connor Hennessy. Carl Quinn and... Uh, Devin Ryan from Cashel and Connor Hennessy from uh, Nina Rogue and Joe Caesar all started the semi final during the week. So, best of luck to all the Tipperary lads involved there in the Fitzgibbon Cup uh, final tomorrow at quarter to three. Elsewhere, the uh, Tipperary ladies footballers are back out in action. This is on Sunday at two o'clock in Bansha in Division Two of the National League. They play uh, Kildare. Massive game there for the Tip ladies footballers. Also, the Tipperary minor team. They take on Limerick on Saturday at 2pm in the Munster Championship. That is, of course, Stacker Wallace, Stacker Wallace GA Club. We heard Geraldine Canan mention that game there just a few moments ago as well. In the world of rugby, in the AIL, Nina Ormond looking to bounce back from just their second loss of the season in an incredible game last weekend against Banbridge. They led 14 points to 14 at one stage. Uh, uh, f- sorry, 40 points to 14 and uh, actually lost the game 42-40. So I'm sure the Nina Ormond lads will be looking to bounce back against Ballymena at half past two tomorrow. Cashel also lost last weekend. They are away to UL Bohemian looking to bounce back at half past two on Saturday. And Clonmel are on the road in Division 2C. They're up north against Oma Academicals, also at half past two there as well. In the world of soccer on Sunday in the TSCL Premier Division, we have Tipperary Town at home to Peak Villa at 11 and St. Michael's hosting Wilderness Rovers at three o'clock on Sunday. And in Sunday in the NTNDL Premier Division, we have Ard Crony against Balamaki. That's at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. And this evening on Friday at quarter to eight, Rare Cross host Kilvilla. And also tomorrow, the FEI Youth Cup quarterfinal. This is on Saturday in Cashel. Cashel hosting Pike Rovers at 2pm there so a big game for the club there in Cashel Town we wish them all the very best of luck and also this weekend best luck to all the Tipperary athletes involved in the National Indoor Athletics Championships that's on on Saturday and Sunday so uh, of course we'll be keeping an eye out for all the Tipperary athletes particularly Charlene Maudsley and uh, Katie Bergen as they're sure to be in medal contention there as well so that sums up uh, all that else that's to look forward to over the weekend but after this break we're going to have a really good conversation with Daryl Lynch that I very much uh, recommend you sticking around for even if you don't know much about Rowan. It's a good chat with Dara Lynch and then Barry Drake is going to have these, this week's Greyhound update all coming up after this break. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, and this Friday, the 16th of February 2024. Now it is time for this week's edition of the Sporting Edge and just earlier in the week I caught up with the now 2023 Tip FM Sports Star of the Year, Dara Lynch. We spoke about his rise through the ranks in the world of rowing as he is preparing for the Olympic Games later this year. So uh, let's get this week's edition of the Sporting Edge underway. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM. Funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. So joining me now on this week's edition of the Sporting Edge is an Olympic hopeful and a Clonmel native. Uh, it's Roar Dara Lynch. Dara, you're very welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Cheers for having me. 
So, Dara, we uh, first time kind of properly speaking to you. I haven't delved into the, the the sport of rowing too much in terms of talking to rowers, but you yourself, you grew up down in Clonmel, went to CBS High School. How did you first kind of get get into the sport, the sport of rowing? Um, well, I suppose you see the rowers in the high school all the time, and you'd be driving over the bridge, and you see the rowing, and I suppose this seems like a different sport. So, I, I like growing up, I had done cross country like swimming a bit of GAA not really wasn't really that good at it um but yeah the I suppose the endurance sports I was always pretty good at the running and swimming and then um once I started rowing I kind of got obsessed with it pretty pretty quickly and it was the only sport really that I wasn't forced to do by my parents and then yeah it just kind of Went a bit too far, some say, at some points, I suppose, like fifth year, sixth year, I got a bit too obsessed with it. But, uh, yeah, just uh, everyone else went on the back burner from once I started around. And when you started, what age would that been? I presume down in, in Clonmel Rowing Club, obviously, is where you, you first got started. Yeah, uh, it was it was actually late enough in terms of rowing, but I think you're better off to go a bit later. You see some people be joining when they're about 12 and then they don't do any other sports from then on because it kind of takes up all your time but i started i think i was 15 going on 16 maybe okay so yeah yeah you 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 clearly shot up the ranks anyway because you were competing in world championships and and things like that and i was i think it was at eighth you finished in the world junior championship so it was a very quick development from coming in at 15 to that was probably when you're 17 or 18 maybe you're competing in that yeah yeah 17 i think yeah yeah um so yeah, they did, but I I think I was I was doing a lot of training for the for the age I was at. Like after that first year or two, I kind of um packed in, so they gave me a key to the club, so I go down by my own every morning, um and train, and then train again, even with the rest of the team. But yeah, I remember that rowing club was freezing every morning, but <laughs> it was it was good. And like that sounds. Do you know that's that's an incredible. That sounds like someone who's very dedicated. But as you mentioned, they're possibly even maybe obsessive about the sport. When, when you first started it, were you like instantly kind of good at it, or what was the, what kind of hooked you to the sport when you first kind of got into it? Um, I I was never like ex- exceptional when I started, but I was always pretty good, I suppose. Um, but what hooked me? I know. I guess it's just kind of a sport where you can, because especially on the row machine, you can see see yourself uh, getting quicker. Like you can see yourself progressing very objectively. But um, I suppose I started training a lot because I thought everyone was doing it, and then I thought they're all way ahead of me. And then it was that winter um, in fifth year where I just started training. I was doing whatever three hundred and something, three fifty k's a week which is like the mileage of what full-time athletes would be doing. So, and then obviously that summer, then I started racing and realized I got a big, big kick from that. So Yeah, I can imagine. So did you say it was 350k a week you were doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's outrageous. <Yeah. laughs> if anyone has if they've gone on their own machine in their local gym and done maybe two kilometers, they'll know just how crazy <laughs> that is. So that yeah. is, uh, that's absolutely nuts. But, uh, um, God, that's incredible! Like, and how that'd be what twice a day you were saying? Kind of, kind yeah, of maybe. So, yeah, every morning I'd be I'd, I'd do twenty six k twice a day, and then 
weights three times a week too. So right, yeah. Really, so you nearly yeah, from the I was always just falling asleep in class, like and <laughs> teachers. <laughs> I, they didn't like it, I don't think, but sure. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah, yeah, it definitely worked out in the end because uh, as I was going to come on to next, you, you got um, a scholarship over in Yale, which is you know one of the, if you ask anyone in, in the world to nearly name five colleges, Yale might, might likely be one of those five. So talk to us about how that kind of came about and your time over there. Um, Yeah, that, like my parents were not on board at all with that. Um, they wanted me to go to college in Ireland. So I kind of just started messaging um messaging the colleges myself and sending over my scores and all that sort of stuff and it happened very quickly so like they kind of have a thing going with these like private schools in England where they just get guys from the same school every year like two guys from that school two guys from this school all that sort of stuff Mm. so um obviously I didn't really have they don't didn't really have anyone from Ireland really going over at that time but uh I just started messaging them and then um it was Harvard and Yale I was messaging um and then I did this very, very quickly, just got my scores and then next thing I know, like a week later they flew me over to visit the campus and then I submitted my application and all that sort of stuff and then got in. So I actually I was actually accepted before leaving cert, so like scores I got in leaving cert wouldn't have even mattered, so which was which was actually kinda of weird, but <laughs> I'd say motivation so for the leaving cert was probably quite low at that yeah, time. Yeah. So still all right, but um, I because I was obviously worried that they would that they would take the leaving cert and then go, oh, you're actually rejecting it. But yeah, um, that's how it worked out anyway. And then over there was the, oh yeah, really really enjoyed it. Like the rowing wasn't nearly as serious, but the team, like the team uh, over there was was a lot of fun like I definitely don't if I had stayed here I think and just rode all the time I could have driven myself into a bit of a hole if I was on the same trend I was on before it even I kind of give you gave me a perspective like a bit more perspective on the whole thing that you should actually enjoy it a bit more too and like yeah it was a a lot of fun over there yeah that sounds very like it kind of changed right I don't need to go 100% 100% yeah. at it every minute of the day that to mix up a bit of more enjoyment and change your kind of perspective coming back yeah and like you see you guys over there like it's a very very successful team so it kind of makes you realise how big the team aspect of it is because um, I don't know how many Olympians come out of Yale but a lot at the moment like I'd, I'd say it's definitely the highest over in America um, a good few of my friends are going to be going to Paris Um but when you're over there, like, yeah, you'd go out. Or we'd go out still, like, twice a week. Like, really enjoy ourselves and stuff. And just create a very, very good team atmosphere. And I think that's definitely something that's very important. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, like, when you were over there, are you doing a course over there as well? Is it, or what's the, what, was that, what did that kind of consist of? Yeah, so with those colleges, the Ivy League, uh, technically, like, they don't give you scholarships because they're meant to be just academic kind of job but uh so they don't really recognize they're not overly helpful around some of your sports so like say you don't get any benefits really to being an athlete over there yeah as you would like say in some of the i think the state schools where you pretty much just go over to do your sport like they weren't and um the coaches would be very so we we didn't like our training program wasn't wasn't uh, strict at all 
I'd say we did, I'd say we're doing about a quarter of training we're doing right now. Like our training at the moment is crazy compared to what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah, so you, right now you're you're over in Italy at a training camp uh, with the with Team Ireland as we're talking to you. But just a bit about uh, rowing in general before we kind of get into um, the aspects of the, the World Championships and things like that. Like, talk to me a bit about um, the kind of differences you kind of rowing on your own. Now you're kind of rowing in a, in a team in the double skulls, things like that. Like, what's the strategy? Is there in like I'm very much new to this, so this could be very basic stuff. But in terms of the which person goes at the front, which person goes at the back. Just talk to me about different kind of aspects of, of that stuff. Um, yeah, so in college, it's pretty much only eight-man boats. But then internationally, you can row like that. So you either have one oar or two oars. And so with the two oars, you can row by yourself, a two-man boat or four-man boat. And then the eight, and then with two or, with one oar, you can row two-man, four-man or an eight-man boat. Um, but so college, you only have one oar, but here um, I row up to two oars. Um, and how you get into that? Honestly, I think it just happens. Like you is, said, there, like, is there like, much like that? There, that's obviously a big difference, is it, in terms of rowing with two and rowing with one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, but how I I suppose when you, when you start off, you'll always have the two. Like, when you learn throw, you'll always be rowing with the two oars out, out by yourself and stuff like that. But and then naturally i'd say as you get older some people kind of just transition like it's more historically like the eight-man boat with the one oar like that's the big team part of the rowing but um like i don't know how how you actually i don't know how people end up being like you can switch between two fairly fairly and i'd say it's more it's easier to switch from a two two if you can know how to use the two oars like you're going to be a lot better at the one hour relative to one hour come into two hours and are you focusing now like you're you're would you be strictly like just two hours and on, yeah. on the two-man yeah. boat like that's yeah. what you're focusing on yeah and the majority of our time you'd be spent um in the two in the two-man boat uh with the with the with phil who i'm rowing at the moment and obviously you uh, but then like say you do a trial you'd race a lot of time we'd all race each other in the one-man boat and then you kind of get a bit of ranking and then uh, go into the two man boats. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's such a kind of a different world to me. So I'm very kind of much uh, new, new to the whole thing. But you mentioned Philip there. Your Philip Doyle is your your uh, kind of partner at the minute. Um, in the boat, you qualified for the got the boat qualified for the Olympics at the World Championships in Belgrade last September. Uh, finished third at the World Championships. Um, you know that that's a, a huge achievement and you know, a bronze medal at the World Championships and qualifying for Olympics, like that must have been a kind of a, a very satisfying time for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a tough time over there because it was a long regatta, like it was a week long, so you have your heat and then quarter semifinals, but the the it was top eleven qualified, so that race to get into that top twelve, the quarter final was definitely very you start questioning where you are, even though deep down we knew we were definitely good enough to be in the final at least. Um but yeah, it was a good race, um, and just also only coming back in March, it was a huge. Uh, like I, when I initially came back in March, I was thinking, hopefully I'll make a boat. Never mind getting a, a world championship medal. So. And when you say came back, you had uh, did you take a break or or what was the story there? Um, I was working over in New York for a year. Um, after I graduated in twenty twenty three, I I stayed in New York to work for like a bit over a year. 
and then like it was a bit boring so I started training again uh in the gym over there uh on the row machine like morning and evening and I started getting fit again so then I I emailed the boys back here and then I came back and it was pretty seamless entry into the boat so it's yeah. nice you're very pre- yeah. <laughs> you've a very proficient record with the emails anyway they seem to be getting you into, <laughs> into good spots but uh the um so you so you take a break from it and uh do you know did that did that break kind of reignite a bit of love like was was olympic ambitions was that was that there during that year was it always in the back of your head or did you completely forget about it and then suddenly just kind of came back all at once or, or how did that work um like i'd say if if i had a job that was that i that i liked a bit more and was a bit more demanding i probably wouldn't have ever actually come back because i wouldn't have had the time and i probably wouldn't have had like been looking for something else so it was more so like my job was i was like sure there's more sure there's more than this so i was i started training away again because i or maybe uh more maybe like you see a lot in sports like you just can't really get away from them so i suppose something was missing maybe and started training away again then next thing you know you're training too much again you're back in ireland yeah and you're back um <laughs> qualifying boats for the olympics so it's a pretty uh, quick uh, turnaround but um I want, like I, I still feel like there's so much I want to ask, but we're kind of running running short on time. But um, talk to me a bit about the training. You're over there in Italy now doing a training camp. What does kind of general training into rowing uh, look like for for at, at the level you're at? Um, like we train a lot. To be honest, a lot. Um, it's it's a lot of it is long. Like it's a it's an endurance sport, so like it'd be very long stuff, like similar. I'd say our mileage will be similar to what a cyclist or like triathlete and stuff would do. But at the moment, we kind of, because we have these Italians coaching us, um, they kind of focus a lot on intensity. So, but we'd still do, I know, a big long in the mornings. You do, you'd be out in the water for two and a half, three hours. Um, and that's every morning. And then three days a week, you'd have weights and then another long session in the evening. And then the rest of the days, you just have another long session in the evening. So I'd say a good four or five hours on a normal. And then with weights, you do about six today. So a lot of a lot of time, like it's almost a full-time job. And then on top of that, you need to be eating like five, 6,000 calories. So that's that's definitely a tough part in itself is the is the calories that you need to eat to keep on going. Yeah, that's that's in, that's incredible. Yeah. That's so much training and, and so much eating and getting that much calories in isn't as easy as people might think in terms of oh that you know (laughs) never stop eating but it's that that sounds very hard to get that much in but um you mentioned it's almost like a full-time job like is it a full-time job like would is this does this kind of can this provide finance for you or do you get covered that way or or do you have to kind of keep a job going at the same time um so when i when i did come back initially um i kept my job because i i wasn't sure like I didn't want to go all in. I kind of kept my job as in case I didn't, in case it didn't work out here, I could have just went back to the job. But, and then once we started doing well, I went part-time in the job where I was, I was working like three hours, but like it was three, four hours a day. But even at that, like just absolutely wiped out, like to be honest. So um, just in November there, I stopped the job. And um, so with how Sport Ireland works is you get like, government funding from sport ireland based on your results from the year before so the world championships are gonna provide me with funding but that doesn't uh kick in until april but then you get till the following april so 
yeah, like I'll be I'll be sorted from April going on till. Okay, that, yeah. So you're yeah. you're probably looking for looking forward to that uh, April yes. to come around. I'm sure, but um, yeah. talk to us a bit, a bit about now. Just finally looking forward for for this year, as we mentioned, finishing third in the World Championships, qualified the boat for the Olympics, but it doesn't necessarily mean yourself and and Philip will be the ones representing Ireland in that boat. Um, talk to us a bit about that kind of process and how when will you know if you are going to be uh, selected for the Olympics and and how does that that process uh, work? Um, so like the coaches kind of like to keep it, like keep it going for as long as they can really, but like they did say at the start of the year that because it'd be, it would have been a different story, say if we had a finish, like scrape qualification in 10th place or something, then it was, uh, the boat would be more open, but because we got the bronze medal, like they're going to be like, we, we can clearly show performances. So they're going to be a bit more reluctant to open it up, but like we did a trial already, it went pretty well back in January, and so hopefully this March one, um, we can take the box and then focus on performing at races rather than performing internally. So you've a, you've so, a trial in March. Is that kind yeah. of the final the final one? Uh, they have it down as a final trial, but if needed, there there could be more. But yeah, hopefully hopefully that will be the final trial and then. We can go go and race in um, in uh, Verazzi at the World Cup yeah. in early April. Yeah, and uh, looking looking ahead then, um, you know, to the the summer and it's a, an Olympic year and the Olympics coming up. Like, geez, like what would that mean to to yourself to be able to, to go perform at the Olympic Games? Yeah, uh, it's exciting. Like it's exciting, but just I suppose what really keeps you. Uh, Stops you thinking about it is that the training we're doing it's just like getting through each day is a big big task so you just focus on getting each day done and like you're so tired that you almost don't really be thinking that much about it then you're just hoping that if you can get through this then we're going to be in a good in, in a good position come uh come paris and also hopefully the extra time too seeing as like last year i only had a like five, six, I think five months with the team, whereas now I'm already on a full year. So hopefully that will also um, kick in and help us get a good result over in Paris because like all the people we're competing have been against, have been full-time for years, really. Like the two guys who beat us over in uh, Belgrade at the World Champs, uh, like they've got plenty of Olympic medals between the two of them, those two crews. So like they've been around for ages full time and stuff. So yeah, hopefully that's hopefully extra time we guess will will actually help. Yeah, and you seem to be uh, making the most of that time out in Italy yeah. anyway. By the sound of things, uh, putting in putting in the hard graft. But Dar, it's been great talking to you here today. Uh, wish you the very best of luck uh, in the year going forward, and uh, please God, we'll see you over in at the Olympics, and uh, we might get to talk to you before you head out then as well. Awesome, cheers. Thanks a lot. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM. Funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Really enjoyed that chat there with Dara Lynch, and we do definitely wish him all the best of luck in the year going forward and hope to see him at the uh, Paris Olympic Games later in the summer. But now, as always, on a Friday evening, it's time to talk dogs with Barry Drake. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. 
So we're very much looking forward to another great weekend of Greyhound Racing with so much to look forward to over the course of the weekend. Plenty of top class action uh, down for decision over the course of the weekend and some good action to look forward to in Clonmel as well um, on Friday night where they have their usual uh, racing program there getting underway on a Friday night at 7.30. Some talented trackers on show but I'm very much looking forward to race number 7 um, on the evening of course. The Little Rocket is a greyhound that was in tremendous form last time out uh, making the trip worthwhile from the yawl base of Daniel Cronin this greyhound delivered a stunning performance from winning in 28-82 and I think he's beautifully drawn in trap number 3 so expect him to record a 12th career success and he's the one of most interest there in Clonmel on Friday night uh, switching our tensions we'll stick with Clonmel before we look ahead to the big race and Thurles at the weekend we're moving on to Sunday night now of course Clonmel uh, racing televised live on Sky Channel 427 every Sunday night 6.29 start there good competitive racing action uh, down for decision there um, on Sunday night and um, Adam Dunford is a trainer young trainer that often does well around Clonmel and he's got Dangan Wee Girl in race number 7 it's stepping up in class tonight but there was a lot to like about that performance last time uh, when winning in 28-83 and I think a big performance is very much on the on the um on the way there for this uh, very promising greyhound um it looks to be going the right way it's owned by michael croak in kilmacow and i think that's the one to keep an eye on there on sunday night so as i said some good racing action uh, to look forward to in clanmel this weekend but for me on the tipperary scene um this weekend all eyes turn to Turles on Saturday night. We've got the Paz Bear Upper Church A5 uh, semi-final stake. Uh, lovely prize there, of course, with €1,600 Euros going to the winner. But we also have the two semi-finals of the Droopy Stud Champion Bitch Open 525 uh, stake. Of course, 3150 to the winner. And in the opening semi-final, Bobsleigh Dream uh, will be hoping to bounce back to winning ways after getting turned over last time, but didn't enjoy the clearest of runs. Such a talented performer for Willie Joe Murphy training Kappa White by Pat Buckley it's 128 times and I think Bobsleigh Dream uh, can get back to the winning groove there in Turles um, on um, Saturday night also in the second semi-final um, it looks another fantastic uh, contest Annie Onfaya was an impressive winner for Kilkenny trainer Mark Lahey last week 28-82 on the clock that certainly will take plenty of stopping there in the second semi-final and we also have the Dinny Mackey Memorial A3 uh, 5-2-5 uh, stake uh, semi-finals down for decision there uh, with uh, 2,000 euros to the winner some really good action uh, to look forward to there as I said in Thurles um, on uh, Saturday night so if you're in the area um, it certainly will be an enjoyable night out and we look ahead um, to the big final there um, this time next week and uh, hopefully all the big guns will make it safely through there because there always is a fabulous competition there in Turles and Bobsley Dream um, will be hoping to get back to winning ways got some top class form in the book um, around the country elsewhere uh, looking forward to the semi-finals of the Toad Gold Cup um, at Shelburne Park on um, Saturday night Glengar Marta uh, very much in the mix for Kappa White trainer Pat Buckley she really has uh, been in stunning form in recent weeks and she looks a big player after outright glory another holiday is also in the mix uh, for Tipperary trainer Michael O'Donovan 16,000 euros uh, to the winner of that great event of course that always is the first feature 
on the racing calendar in the new year at um, Shelburne Park. So plenty of Tipperary interest in that. Boyle Sports Coco is another one with a chance uh, for trainer Dolores Root. And the anti-post favourite, of course, is Carrick Aldo, another um, serious performer um, for um, David Murray, of course, who's based up there in Mullingar. So plenty of Tipperary interest as well in the Tote Gold Cup. Also on Friday night down in Tralee, uh, we have the Juvenile Classic. Six fantastic heats down for decision Loads of Tipperary trainers involved here. Looking forward to seeing them in action. Um, always produces stars of the future. So we'll be keeping a very, very close eye on all the action down there in the Kingdom Greyhound Stadium um, on Friday night. And uh, no doubt we'll have plenty of Tipperary success that we'll be able to highlight here um, on Tip FM uh, come next Friday night. So as I said, it really is another exciting weekend of Greyhound Racing. So much to look forward to over the course of the next couple of nights. But on the Tipperary seen all eyes will very much be on Turles Greyhound Stadium on Saturday night as they host a couple of very very good competitions and wishing of course all participants uh, the very best of luck and as I said we'll have plenty to talk about again come this time next Friday and many thanks to Barry Drake there, who's informative as always on the world of Greyhound racing both here in Tipperary and further afield as well that's pretty much all we got time for on this week's edition on the show reminder as always if you want to listen back to the show where we looked ahead to the weekend's uh, hurling camogie uh, we also looked ahead to of course the football game over in London and we looked ahead uh, to the Greyhound racing there with Barry and of course we spoke to Clamel Roar Dara Lynch all that is going to be on the Tip FM website in just about the next half an hour if you want to listen back to any part of the show and a reminder two live commentaries on air this weekend starting tomorrow at 2 o'clock in Rathdowney it is Nina CBS versus Kilkenny CBS that is live here on Tip FM with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel 2 o'clock throw in time there that's the Crow Cup quarter final then on Sunday at 1 o'clock it is Tipperary versus London in the National Football League I will be over in Ryslip myself and Conor O'Dwyer will be in McGovern Park bringing you live commentary there with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. so a busy weekend to look forward to in the Premier County and we wish all the Tipperary teams the very best luck this weekend so that's uh, pretty much all we got time for Many thanks for you, the listeners, for tuning in and uh, for all the guests for making the show possible. And I will be talking to you on air again on a Sunday afternoon from London. So bye for now.